Hello, my name is Lucy Ripova, and I'm the founder and host of Think with Lucy. I started this podcast to discuss interesting topics with people who have different viewpoints. Why? In the age of social media, our news feeds are creating echo chambers that confirm our bias, making us less tolerant of other opinions. And this increases social and political polarization and leads to extremism. Seeing different perspectives helps you to understand things in a different light and helps us come together. It strengthens the democratic foundations of our country. Let's highlight the gray area that is often overlooked. Let's show nuance. Let's think. Today, I will be hosting a discussion with Reem Ibrahim, a second year politics and history student at the LSC and a member of the Conservative Society, and Sharia Chandravanshi, a PPE student at the LSC, a freshman and a member of the Debate Society. In this episode, Reem and Sharia will be discussing the role of monarchy in our society and if we should or shouldn't keep supporting it. Reem will be defending the existence of the British monarchy and Sharia will be opposing it. To give the audience a little bit of context on the British monarchy, it is the constitutional form of government by which a hereditary sovereign, which is a king or queen that's born into the family, reigns as the head of state. Because the monarchy is constitutional, the monarch is limited to functions like giving honors or appointing prime ministers, which are performed in a non-partisan manner. So the queen has almost no political power. The power to make and pass laws resides with parliament as the elective legislative. The queen meets with the prime minister about once a week uh, as a reminder of her place in government. But the prime minister doesn't really seek her approval for policies. It's more of a formality. The queen and other senior royals carry out official engagements, such as visiting a foreign country or being patrons of different charities. Every year, the UK government gives the Queen a single payment called the Sovereign Grant. The Sovereign Grant was last year 85.9 million pounds, and this money comes from taxpayers. And it's meant to support official royal duties and maintain occupied royal palaces, so the palaces that the royals actually live in. So let's let's start with talking about the role of monarchy and how it has evolved over the past few centuries. What would you say, Reem, is the role of monarchy today? Um, thank you for having me on. And um, I think that the main role of the monarchy today is to preserve the awesome tradition that we have in the United Kingdom and the sort of constitutional role that she has as the head of state. Um, obviously, she opens parliament and appoints the prime minister. She has a, a weekly audience with the prime minister to sort of discuss um, how the country is going and and I think her, her main role is sort of potentially more ceremonial but she definitely has a constitutional role as head of state so uh, I think she's more important in that sense. Mm -hmm. How about you Sharia? I think that it's important to understand that the queen right now explicitly controlled the government while she was alive. In other words yes the government has evolved to a constitutional monarchy but that evolution has consisted of the life of the current queen. In other words, the amount of power the queen holds is hard for us to understand and thus assess because the power she holds was decided by her through that transition. So that would be the first thing I would suggest. And I think that might explain a lot of the issues we've been having with queen's consent recently. But the second thing I'd like to add is that the queen tends to play a very important role in terms of diplomacy abroad, especially in terms of the Commonwealth states. So in terms of, say, the head of the Commonwealth, there's been uh, consistent diplomatic negotiations about, okay, who is going to be the head of the Commonwealth once the Queen goes away? And uh, there's been lobbying, say, for, you know, a prince to be that. 
specific head of the Commonwealth. So I think that that's the second role she plays, which is um, that ceremonial uh, head of state role is quite important in specific relationships. And the third role I think she plays is just tourism and the idea of, like Reem said, maintaining the awesome <laughs> traditions History. of the UK. Yeah. yeah. So going back to the power of the queen, you know, some argue that the monarch doesn't really have any political power. Uh, and that her functions are mainly formal or symbolic and could easily be taken over by other political bodies or or even an elected president. So what powers does she really have? And could she be replaced by someone like a president? I think um, the point there is she she's we've got a constitutional monarchy so after 1649 with charles first um beheading and the sort of constitutional crisis we had there i think that shows that the the abolition of the monarchy it obviously obviously we could ha- have a presidential system like the united states where um we've got a presidential system where they are um sort of signing off on laws and have, have a more active role in politics but the, the the special thing about the queen is that she's she's part of the tradition. I mean, you can trace back her ancestry, you know, all the way back. So I think it, she's got more of a traditional role in in that sense that you just can't get with an elected president. And um, you know, we have a very different system to the United States. And we don't, we don't have a presidential system. We've got a you know fusion of powers where our executive lies within within Parliament. So um, it is, it's a completely different system. And the queen is is there for a reason. It, it wouldn't be the same with an, with an elected president. It's interesting to point out that uh, a monarch in the UK hasn't had any real legislative power in centuries, mm. right? I think last time a monarch executed their political powers was in the 19th century or even even Before, further back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think that that just shows the importance of monarchy in the UK? Do you mean the importance of the, the fact the that they're still going on? Oh, okay. So despite the fact that they have no political powers, I think that the fact that the political powers of the queen are effectively a mystery means that it's impossible to conclude what exactly the queen does in terms of uh, her influence. So, for example, it seems almost contradictory to say that the queen plays an important ceremonial role and to say that she has no political power if that role is in foreign policy. Domestically, it makes sense because she's making appearances, talking to citizens. If she is effectively communicating in diplomatic channels, the influence that her communication has on policies as well as the presentation of the United Kingdom to the world is always going to be something that is different to before the Queen actually engaged. So I'd say that monarchs might not have legislative power, but they definitely do maintain certain amounts of power in terms of at least foreign policy control. So I think that ceremonial role is to some extent executive. And uh, just secondly, I'd like to, I mean, I guess I can ask this after, uh, you know, you tell me what exactly you want to talk about next. But basically, the idea of a president in the US not being possible in the UK, should we move on to that? Or should I? I mean, we can talk about foreign foreign policy, right? And how the monarch is affecting foreign policy. You know, she's someone that represents the nation as a whole. She's nonpartisan. She pretty much never expresses her opinions or her political stance. And I think that's why she's so powerful when it comes to diplomacy, and and that's why you know her her role as a as a head of the state really matters. And I think if if we were to have a president, that wouldn't be the case. 
think it's the the neutrality isn't it it's the I mean in 2019 she hosted Trump and that was a a big deal because of how much Trump says he he loves the queen and um, I think it's it's that neutrality that you just would not get in a presidential system if we had the head of state be elected in this country obviously that would then completely politicize the role and um, we wouldn't get the neutrality you wouldn't have the tradition you wouldn't have the um sort of hereditary idea behind the the head of state being such as a, a core part of uh, British history and um we um we were just speaking about the sort of foreign um impact that the queen has obviously with the commonwealth and and just abroad in general her you know sort of state visits and she you know, hosts garden parties for um for different um heads of state, and it's it, it, that history ha- inviting various politicians across the world to Buckingham Palace is is sort of an honor, and um that's you you wouldn't get that again with a with a politically elected elected head of state. I actually understand the reasoning behind that, but I think that especially coming from the perspective of someone who also lives in a parliamentary democracy of a different type, um I think that there's a huge advantage to having an elected president in that they're not really elected. So, for example, one of the most sort of popular presidents of India would be APJ Abdul Kalam. Another Mm -hmm. one could be K.R. Narayanan. And if you look through their histories and you look through their policy agendas, it's not really partisan. In other words, when presidents are elected in terms of acting as a head of state outside of the um, person who sort of does legislative functions, they tend to be nonpartisan by definition. And the reason is because of exactly what Reem said, which is that you want someone who can negotiate outside of the scope of political viewpoints. So I would say that if the UK, for example, elected a president, it would probably be someone who was accepted to, to some extent, be neutral and respectable, right? But on the second point about tradition, I would actually argue that I don't understand why that's important in that we have a historical tradition for um, a lot of different forms of leadership, but the point of a democracy is that you represent the citizens of the current day. So the tradition of the UK that's more important is the one that currently exists as opposed to the one in the past. And uh, by that logic, I think that it's a bit odd to sort of keep our historical artifacts representing current day citizens. But the part that I will concede is that obviously there will be some level of partisanship in that the president is elected by the person who was elected PM. So like if Boris Johnson sets a president in place, it's obviously going to be a president that obviously he trusts. But I think that the issue here is that if the president holds the same powers as the queen, which are supposed to be basically none, then it wouldn't really matter. It would just be about how well they can negotiate, in which case I don't think it would make much of a difference just how partisan they were. I I wouldn't necessarily say that the British head of state's role is to negotiate. I think that she... We don't need a good negotiator to be the queen. We need somebody who is that ceremonial role. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that you know the tradition is is that we need to have a queen that is good at negotiating and she's signing off on our new trade deals post Brexit. <laughs> she's that's not her role. She's she's there as a as a ceremonial head of state. But I, I I can understand the point about tradition and I wouldn't say that necessarily tradition is the the be all and end all of, of a political system. But it's certainly important. And when you look at the um, there are obviously certain traditions with the British monarchy that we 
potentially don't don't want to to keep so with the history of the British Empire and um, sort of the destruction of, of 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 people across the world across the Commonwealth now and um, that that impact is seen today and we don't necessarily want to keep that tradition going but we can keep certain traditions that Britain has had and the history it, that is that is beautiful that we can keep through the monarchy so I, I understand what you're saying about the tradition being not necessarily so if I could just um yeah. sort of get some clarity on a point here mm-hmm. um so the diplomatic channels aren't effectively consequential you think that it's not yeah. really about negotiation right what exactly do you think the purpose is that the queen serves then C- ceremonial head of state she okay. signs off on laws she well she doesn't say no obviously um, okay. but she um she technically does have you know every law in this country technically has royal assent um from the queen she with in terms of foreign policy she's there to host politicians and to sort of be the face of the face of this country and show the world um our beautiful history that we have and also obviously being honest about our not so beautiful history as well and right. i think it's the, so the i think honesty. i think those two points are exactly what i would agree with you on mm-hmm. in that the first point seems a little arbitrary in that who's signing off doesn't really matter right? yeah it does <laughs> but, but the second one isn't arbitrary because it's the face of the uk mm. and that's exactly what i mean the face of the uk isn't the queen at all the way that the royal family operates and the type of Britain that they represent could be one that is extremely interesting and extremely important to our history, but it isn't necessarily one that represents the current day Britain. So I think that if we want a ceremonial head of state, it would make sense for him or her or them to represent the population. So I would consider it a bit odd, for example, for you know the Indian president mm. um, to be like, a random Mughal or something or like some king we had yeah so like that's just my logic but it might just be my like extreme democratic bias no I, I understand what you're saying you're saying that they should be representative of the population as a whole so out of curiosity if we were to abolish the monarchy what kind of electoral system would, would it be completely proportional or would it be sort of um semi-proportional or sort of more first past the post majoritarian system or so like how how, how representative would you want the head of state to be well, it would be one head of state, which mm-hmm. would be elected by the party in power. So, for example, in most other parliamentary democracies, in Singapore, when the party, which always wins, the PAP, yeah. wins again, and then uh, and again, and again uh, decides who the head of state is, they select someone who they believe can fulfill all the roles that you mm-hmm. mentioned, and then they become the president. In India, same thing. President is decided by the majority party. So oh, it's not so like... as in sort of appointed by the by the prime minister yes in the same way that the queen is mm. effectively subservient to the prime minister because she doesn't really have power over him right? mm. so in the same way you could just have an appointed pre- president who represents current day britain so um uh, excuse my lack of knowledge but there might be someone in britain who's like you know more respectable that i could lay as an example but i don't know <laughs> enough people i don't know who could be a okay. president uh, probably someone cool i don't know i understand what you're saying so you you think that the sort of the head of state role should be a extension to the the prime minister yes um i understand that i don't necessarily think that's the role that the head of state in this country has and we don't need that we've got we've got sort of parliamentary sovereignty and that is you know we've got a fusion of powers our executive our prime minister sits in the house of commons so we don't I, i don't think that we need a more active political role for our head of state she the, the, the queen is a is a is a, is a figurehead she doesn't necessarily matter really who who is the monarchy is have having the monarch there having somebody to look up to and to um to, to remember our history i think is 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 the important point there um obviously I, I we can th- talk about 
tourism and all yeah. the amazing things that the, the royal I mean, family bring in. But you don't have to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just to get rid of them. <laughs> right? We could do a yeah. Romanov, <laughs> Romanov <laughs> oh. assassination of the, of the no, monarchy. No, not, not like some French Revolution <laughs> stuff. But like, I would agree with you. I just think that. Um, a president doesn't have to be political at all. In fact, most presidents aren't political. Only the U.S. tends to have a president who is like mm. actually powerful. So, like, I literally cannot think of like a political action that I don't know Pratibha Patel took at all. Like, I don't think probably you even know, for example, the president of say Singapore, but you might know the PM, mm. right? So, like, I think that presidents can still be ceremonial. The only difference is that they're appointed by the leaders of the people. And I think the main core issue there is that the legitimacy of the queen comes from something beyond the people. Mm. And because of that, she is, number one, not representative, but also, number two, um, a bit circular. It doesn't make sense, the logic of the parliament. But I think that second point is a bit arbitrary. The first one, I think, is what I think makes it a bit weird. Mm. So what do you think the role of the head of state should be? Or do you think it should, broadly speaking, stay the same, but it just then be appointed by the prime minister instead of being a hereditary monarch yeah i think that would be better because i think um trying to sell democracy to the rest of the world as the united kingdom with your head of state being a queen um and uh, in general talk about the idea of say mobility and britain for example building back better was that was it was it leveling yeah, up yeah leveling up build yeah, back building better. back better was america <laughs> and then boris came up with build back beaver with the <laughs> oh we've got build back batter but oh yes. my god and the, the leveling up thing right leveling like up, yeah. i think the sort of story of mobility the story of um you know just the face of normal Britain hmm. um, being an important actor in the world, just it doesn't seem to match with the queen who's there because of birth and nothing else, which is, I think, um, at least most people would agree now, like arbitrary in that hmm. her birth has nothing to do with anything relevant. If, yeah. Hmm. I understand that. I think it's, well, I guess the, the relevancy is the history, isn't it? Think about it this way. If you had an appointed president hmm. and you could change the head of state and prime ministers still pick the queen, then it would represent British public's attitudes towards the monarchy. So it would be possible for the queen to stay in power because she is by, say, the people who rep like represent the people. She's their choice. But maybe in the future, as attitudes develop, mm. she might lose favor, right? And people might pick someone else. Or maybe because she makes like bad decisions in queen's consent, which I think I'm assuming we'll talk about later. Yeah. I but I think, I think what's so unique about the queen and the royal family is that She's always been neutral, like yeah. her whole life. She has a clean slate. She's never done anything wrong. Mm. And I think that's why she has such a strong position in negotiating, not negotiating, but representing the country mm, exactly. and going on foreign visits and then, you know, uh, securing, maybe helping secure trade deals mm. with, with other countries. Whereas if you look at an elected president, they always come with some kind of history. And they always have political opinions, right? And and you you know if they're leaning left or right. They're not neutral. They're exactly. not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think the, the point of the monarchy is that she is a you know she is apolitical. She is not. She will never make a, a, a bad decision or a good decision. Maybe personally, but nothing nothing to do with her role as head of state. She. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why she is so popular among the British people. I mean, I checked YouGov yesterday and they, um, she has a 72% approval rating. So I think there's two issues with sort of that interpretation. Mm -hmm. The first one is if she is popular, then it's likely she'll stay in power. In which case, the appointed monarch from the prime minister logic would make perfect sense. Mm. If your head of state was appointed and the queen was the most popular, then this argument wouldn't be relevant at all. But the second point about how the queen is necessarily neutral and that elected representatives have a past, 
I agree with you on the first premise, but the conclusion I disagree with. Because if we don't know the past of the queen, if we don't know her actual leanings, we don't know what she's doing. So she doesn't do anything well okay (laughs) that's what i mean like her 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 role her power isn't anything political anything political like she can't make a wrong decision or she she doesn't need to be representative of the people in terms of her politics because we don't care about that that's not her role so for example we had a recent investigation by the guardian which Mm -hmm. found that the queen effectively influenced the way that policy works through loopholes which said this might affect the queen's personal property right and there were 1062 bills by parliament that were effectively edited because of the queen's opinion now whether or not this was consequential is irrelevant maybe all she did was say grammatical error add apostrophe we don't know yeah but that's the point we don't know so when you say or when you know um both of you say that the queen has um effectively made no no bad decisions we have no clue what decision she made we have no history of her past we don't know her leanings and it's possible that the queen is changing the way trade deals work and changing the way that regulations work but we have no clue what's happening i think that that lack of transparency is just somewhat makes it something that is inherently untrustworthy because because she's unaccountable to the people i mean i guess that's the whole point of the democracy argument right she's she's technically unaccountable to the people there's no way for us to unelect her and um if if the people are fed up of her um we we don't we actually know there's no transparency there and what if big ben explodes after she (laughs) (laughs) the world will end um i don't i don't i think that the, the point there is that she she, there is there is no way that she is influencing laws or influencing policies only when it when it affects her her directly and the the laws that you reference with the recent um investigations those those were the things that in, impacted her directly so they were actually to do with with the royal family and their finances and sort of the the sovereign grant and and policies like that so no but the point is that even if what you're saying is absolutely correct and Mm. all 1062 laws and all the alterations within it had nothing to do with the population even if that is absolutely true you can't confirm it because you don't know and that's the problem right it's possible that in the back like the here here's the issue with politics right it's very difficult to work with what we're given because the vast majority of deals happen in backroom dealings, right? Mm-hmm. There's people talking about what exactly is a good decision. And it's very likely that the prime minister absolutely has no concern whatsoever with what the royal family says. And it's also likely more than 0% that he is being influenced by the royal family mm. or she. I, I don't think it's necessarily... Influ- well, I guess you could call it influence. I think it's... So obviously, like I said, we've got, she's, she has um, an audience with the with the prime minister every week. And um, it's it's more so just a, a rundown that the prime minister gives an update, and the queen has a responsibility as head of state to sort of ask the prime minister and say, okay, how is my country doing? <laughs> because it's the prime minister's role. Because the prime minister is political. We 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 do indirectly elect. Well, I do. I mean, I mean, Oxford and South Rise, but <laughs> the rest of the country will will indirectly elect our um, our leaders and our parties when we, through democracy. That's you know the prime minister is accountable to to us as people. The queen isn't because she there's nothing for us to be accountable for her to be accountable to. She doesn't make any decisions. She's there as a ceremonial um, head of state that, as I said, sort of hosts parties and sure. brings in tourism and al- the economic benefit of the royal family. I mean, we can talk about that afterwards, but it's 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 astronomical. Right. I think <laughs> one of the yeah. few things that royal family does do a lot mm-hmm. is charity work, right? Yes. Um, uh, a lot of uh, senior royal family members had charities and, uh, you know, we could only speculate about how they add value really to the charities that they engage with. Um, and I'm curious to hear your opinions because, you know, they're, they're not uh, running the charity. They're not 
part of the administration. All they do is go to events, shake people's hands, and and they are sort of the the public face of the charity. But my question to you is, how exactly are they helping the charities? How are they adding value? It's just having have, having their faces there, isn't it? I mean, I don't necessarily think that their charity work is... I mean, obviously, they, they do work hard and they have role duties and um, I don't want to take that away from them, but I think the, the charity owners and the charity workers and the people on the front line are doing most of the work in terms of actual impactful charity work. But that being said, having sort of that celebrity status of um, sort of the humanitarian beneficiaries and the, um, the, the royal family just being there... Um, sort of through a branding and marketing perspective, I think that... Do you think it increases the amount of oh, funding that the charity raises? definitely. I mean, if you're looking at the... Um, so for, it sort of just gives brands an edge as well, it, not not just looking at charity, but businesses. So it, she contribute, the, the Royal Family contributed about £160 billion in annual exports. Um, and that's just with business. So I'm not sure about the figure with charities, but of course, with their charity work, with, the, with their um, with their royal duties, they... they they, they boost those charities and they highlight issues. I mean, if you look at with Princess Diana, when she sort of shook the hand of, of um, HIV patients and the impact, the impact that that had on sort of reducing the stigma and um, sort of just educating people. I mean, the, the impact that the rules have are... Are wonder- it is wonderful and um, they have that impact because of, because of their status. If you took that away, an elected president or appointed president wouldn't have that... Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't give us that emotional impact, that emotional response from the people. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Sharia? Sure. So I think that, um, I mean, it's not really debatable whether the royals add value to the charities. It's obvious that if someone with a high profile helps you get publicity, you get more publicity. Whether that results in a good result for the charity or not is their job, to be completely honest. Like if you're a charity and you can't get the queen coming to your like event, make like your revenue rise, then you're probably not very good at your job. But... <laughs> Um, or maybe you are good, I don't know, whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's symmetric, because think about it. The royals aren't going to be killed if you abolish them. They're just going to be moving out of government power in mm-hmm. any even ceremonial sense. But they still have a significant amount of power in that they're still royals. So they can go to the charities that they care about and continue supporting them. What's important here, and what actually changes whether they're abolished or not, is how much the influence of the British government dust these charities and that's where i'd like to bring in two points that Mm -hmm. i think make this a little bit harder to accept than it seems initially it initially seems charities are good but first of all this is the british government effectively endorsing charities it is likely that these charities might not be as effective as other charities they might even be going towards causes that aren't as important Mm -hmm. for example if you're focusing on say an extremely ineffective charity that might have money laundering i don't know like an extreme example but it's very common charities i understand yeah um you might have a lack of sort of accountability there right and i think that if there was someone who was selected by the party he might focus on things that people care about more in a way that is more representative of people's preferences i think that that's the first point in that the change that comes from just government approval of a certain charity should not be decided by royals who are there because of birth and nothing else because their effect on charities is symmetric but the second point i want to say is just the idea that if you switch to say in other president right the government approval of charities is going to be focused on things that for example the government might want that could actually increase scrutiny as well so this could, on the whole, improve directions towards charities. So if you had the royals on one hand, putting a lot of brand images for charities, and if you had another influential figure, like a president, focusing on charities, 
if we're just caring about how much money charities raise by mm. that logic if we just use like you know a raw utilitarian calculus it would be better i think it's like a really weird argument and the reason it's weird is because we don't justify who rules our countries based on how much charity revenue they raise and if we did we'd kick the royals out and put someone else in yeah. and then keep doing that and building up celebrities to increase charity revenue mm. so like i think that yes they do increase funds for charity i just don't think that's justification in any sense and also mm. can be harmful although i think that that part is going to need more elaboration yeah i actually agree, i actually agree with you on that point i think when when so the point about governments choosing of charity then that's the issue with government intervention right the free market isn't able to um, decide what what charities and what businesses are actually the most effective because they're not ad- adherent to market forces when when the government do that. And um, the do that too, right? Yeah, no, yeah. and I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say that charity work is the most convincing argument to support the monarchy. I would say, I just want to touch on the sort of financial perspective of the monarchy. And I think that's probably the most convincing argument to keep the monarchy. Um, so as you spoke about the um, sovereign grant and um, was it 82... Um, 85.9 85.9 million pounds so they so they obviously receive quite a lot in taxpayer money just put that money into charity yeah <laughs> put it all to charity <laughs> that might be faster um, potentially um but, the swans exactly yeah okay give you the rule there um but with sort of the the so the the rule crown estate i think is probably one of the most um convincing arguments to keep the monarchy so it's essentially like you said if 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 we abolish the monarchy they wouldn't be killed it's not 1917 um russia <laughs> but um we will uh, we'll potentially just you know keep them there and they'll just be some wealthy billionaire family that has royal blood um but the the issue with that is so currently after uh, king george the 3rd from um 1790 he this is sorry 1760 he sort of negotiated this with the with the government so he was in a lot of debt and a lot of uh, financial stick as m- many royals <laughs> tend to be um so he uh sort of did a deal with the government and he voluntarily gave all of his profits from the, the royal crown estate uh, the crown estate sorry to um to the government so that was worth that's worth about 25 billion pounds so when you take that all, all together and you minus how much they're spending with with the sovereign grant and also um it's estimated to be about 104 million pounds with security for the for the royal family as well essentially they are giving back to the to the to the to the uk treasury a significant amount more than what they are than what they are actually costing the government so I'm sorry could people. you could you just clarify how exactly are they paying the government again so the um the profits from the crown estate which is essentially the, like all of the land that they own um goes straight to the treasury and that so that covers more than covers the costs of the um i think it was the the 85 million pounds for the for the sovereign grant and also the 104 million pounds is estimated to be in security so that is all if you're just looking at it from a financial perspective they are making the government a profit <laughs> um, and that's not even including profits they make other businesses around the country from um sort of ceremonial perspective with sort of tourism and that kind of thing so if you you know say for example if we say forget tradition we don't care about tradition we don't care about the history if you're looking at it just from a financial perspective keeping the royal family is is financially beneficial for for the government i mean that's 247 million pounds to the treasury in 2018 so it's it's quite a lot and it's, it's significantly more than what they are so spending. is that how much i'd need to pay to become head of state of the uk because <laughs> by that logic they're effectively buying themselves a seat i agree with you that it's a net profit which mm. makes an argument about how much they're losing their state money like weak 
Um, and I don't know the data on whether they are losing the crown money. I just wonder whether 247 million pounds, which is probably like, you know, a drop in the bucket if you're mm-hmm. looking at the actual revenue of the government yeah. is sort of relevant. And I also think like, they they don't pay taxes, do they? Well, <laughs> like, it's... they give all their money to the crown, right? Mm. So they also take a certain amount of money back in terms of the sovereign wealth fund. Yeah. If they did pay taxes, how much would the difference be? Let's say it would probably be a little bit lesser mm. than two forty seven million. Maybe it would be I don't know two hundred million lesser. I don't know. Mm. Um. So I think that uh, just if if you go into sort of this number crunching argument, I think as you know, it's an uncomfortable statement. But find the right person and he'll give you a number that it's making you a loss, right? Yeah. Because I think that. One of the arguments you can make, for example, is how much money does it lose them on the basis of sort of, uh, I don't know, what exactly the economy would have if they were involved with the economy as a whole. So, for example, instead of sort of storing a bunch of wealth, what if you invested it instead of the government, you invested in the free market, right? Mm. That might actually create more growth, which would be better for the economy. So, you know, as a member of the Tory society, yeah. free market, right? <laughs> yes, free so market. So let's, let's stick their wealth and circulate it. Let's go. <laughs> um, money multiplier. I, well, see, that's the thing, right? If we were to abolish the monarchy, that money would, that they would probably just take their land back so all of that that money that is currently sort of that deal works best for, for both the monarchy and both for, for the government as well and it's obviously dates back to to king george iii so um it's it's going for quite a while um but yeah if the uk was to become a republic the family would just take their land back take their profits back and that would be a significant chunk less so in my in my head if you're sure. getting rid of the tra- tradition getting rid of you know, even though i think that the tradition and the history argument is, is is quite an important one even if you said that, th- that those things weren't important to you the financial um the financial point i think is is a, is a really big one because of the, the it's essentially an investment it's, it's a government it's another, another government investment and um and it's returning quite quite large profits when you when you compare it hmm so i think that even okay so I, i'm reading the paper in front of me mm-hmm. my see, my point would yeah. be um so so they're getting 85.9 million mm. pounds annually well that was 2020 uh, and this comes from taxpayers mm. but the royal family has other sources of revenue that they could be easily using to run their lifestyles so for example they make money from the Duchy of Lancaster, mm-hmm. which is a collection of residential, commercial, and agricultural properties in the UK. And it, it comprises around $700 million in net assets, which is mostly held in trusts. And the profit from that last year was over £20 million, and that went straight to the Queen. When it comes to Prince Charles, who has who owns the Duchy of Cornwall, which holds over 1.2 billion of net assets. This paid Charles also over 20 million pounds last year, right? And, and Prince William and Prince Harry receive a share of those profits. So this is another source of income. On top of that, the family has personal investments in companies and private estates. And we could dive deep into, you know, the offshore tax havens that they're using to hide their assets and, uh, pay close to zero tax. Um, and so we have no idea as to how much they're storing in these off- offshore tax havens and how much income they're getting from that. Mm-hmm. So my question is, do we really need to support them as taxpayers or can they support themselves? So I would actually agree with that data because it shows that if we did the number crunching a bit differently, they could mm-hmm. be a net loss, right? Yeah. So I think that you make a really important point that the taxpayers might be paying them extra money. But it's also important to understand, again, um, 87 million, again, it's just such a small amount in the amount of revenue the government gains that, you know, taxpayers paying for the queen might be like a principal harm, but it's just so irrelevant in terms of the money that we spend. 
because it might not be a big waste. I think what we should zero in on here is just two implications of accepting the argument that say, well, maybe not Reem, but people who might agree with Reem say, right? Which is first of all, they make us a net profit because the implication of that argument is that you can buy being head of state. <laughs> like, because if you're saying that this is only available to the queen, then you have to go back on the logic that, okay, this is a deal that is historical and thus legitimate, but we don't agree to the legitimacy of the monarchy because we're in a constitutional government, right? Um, so if you don't accept the legitimacy of the monarchy, then the second resulting conclusion is just they make us money so we keep them as our ceremonial heads of state and by that logic you should just put the richest person as your head of state right because then they can make you more money so i think like obviously i'm not saying that's what you're arguing mm. i'm just saying that the logic of that principle comes to this conclusion that seems almost absurd to both of us mm. and the second one which is the logic even from my side that you know um we were given earlier was this idea that the taxpayers might actually be giving more money and they might be making us a net loss but we wouldn't kick out a president because we were paying for things that the president might not necessarily need, like luxuries, especially if they were not really an important percentage of the tax revenue, right? So I wouldn't be like, okay, I found out that my president got like a nice car that was like a bit more money. I wouldn't say that determines kicking him out forever. So I think that both those arguments on money just seem a little irrelevant, but the principle of both of them seem to come to the final conclusion, which is that the head of state probably shouldn't be decided based on money. <laughs> And I think it, it isn't. That's the point. So the sort of tradition, I mean, that's the, the financial argument is sort of a, a counter argument, really, to people saying, well, also your question was, why should we be funding them as a, as a taxpayer? And I'm saying that the, the financial benefits that they bring are significantly more than how much they cost us. Um, I mean, just um, just sort of throwing more, <laughs> more numbers at you. But don't um, you think that's a bit parallel? In, in what way? The argument isn't they're making us a loss. The argument mm -hmm. is why do we have to pay them money if they don't need it? Even if they're making us mm -hmm. a profit, why are they taking money from us anyway? Because because of the data we've just been shown, they could survive without taxpayer money yeah. and we could still get the profit no, you're talking about. So that's symmetric. But the harm to taxpayers isn't. No, definitely. I can I can even accept the, the sort of, we can talk about the reform of the monarchy and I can accept that um, we don't need to be paying them as taxpayers. They can certainly afford to live themselves. Um, and I, I completely agree with that. But I don't think that is an argument to abolish the monarchy. That's I an agree. argument to reform the monarchy and say, okay, uh, maybe they shouldn't they shouldn't be taking so much of our money, <laughs> of sure. our taxpayer money, even though it's Except estimated to be around a pound per person, which most of us can accept isn't isn't as much. Sure, I think if all the money goes to the queen's dogs, then I'm willing to accept it because <laughs> they're adorable. Those corgis, I yeah, just the, the corgis. corgis. That's fine. <laughs> right, that's fine. The rest I don't agree with. But yeah, that that I think I get what you mean in terms mm -hmm. of reforming the monarchy. But I still think that um, the money argument is just very irrelevant. I understand that. I think it's more of a it's more of an argument in that they bring so much for, for this country in terms of tourism yeah. and, and um, just moving away from the sort of ceremonial perspective and constitutional head of state and those sort of arguments. The the fin when you're looking at it purely from a financial perspective, they like invest, just, yeah. they give us so much. And if you look at things like the royal seal, for example, that's estimated to give us about. Um, 134 million pounds um, boost. Um, I think that's per annum. So, it's, it's what is the royal seal? The royal seal. It's like the the sort of, I think it's like a, it's like a coat of arms, isn't it? It's like the. I mean, you can probably Google a picture of of the, of the royal seal. But they they're just little things like that that is, it, it holds ceremonial significance, and that's why it brings so much um, 
that's why it brings so much financial ben- so many financial benefits for many companies but you've also got sort of the, the fashion impact of the royal family as well so it's it's interesting to read the statistics so yeah. according to business consultancy brand finance mm. the royals add about 1.8 billion pounds to the uk economy annually and uh, to break it down 550 million of that is from tourism uh, and my question on that point is do you think people would not be coming to the UK if it were not for the monarchy? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, we've got other um, amazing tourist attractions in the so, United yeah, Kingdom. So, yeah, this is arguable. This yeah. Is arguable. I mean, I think the more important question is, are we killing them? Because <laughs> the, ro- the tourism will still exist because they're there. You can visit them in London mm-hmm. if they're there, right? So, so, so what do you think then we should have? So they, they still live in Buckingham Palace. They still hold sort of royal titles, but they just... The queen is just not the head of state. Is that is that what you're arguing? Well, I'm not really arguing anything specific. I would need to uh, get a democratic vote on what people want before I give you an answer. So if people wanted ah. her to keep Buckingham Palace, whatever. If they didn't, take it away. But I think the most reasonable response would just be like, let them keep their private property because mm-hmm. that's going to be extremely difficult to push in a country like this and also is probably morally wrong. Um and just keep and it's them. morally wrong to take away their private property. Yes, right. Okay, I, I think so, but I think people might disagree. I think mm-hmm. so, even though we need the queen would back. <laughs> I would agree with that, but whatever. Um, but jokes aside, yeah, obviously, I, I can think accept that. I'll accept. I'll, oh, okay, okay. I support that as well. <laughs> it's one gem, please. That one gem is stolen, as they say. Well, yeah, it, it's funny because, um, sorry, just a complete deviation, but um, the Kuhinut was stolen by the person that it was stolen from. And the person that, okay, no, the person who had it was gifted uh, that Kuhinut by someone else mm-hmm. who had stolen it from someone else, who had been gifted it by someone else, who had stolen it from someone else. So if we really went <laughs> all, all the way back, the way back we'd have we to would give never it to, like, find the true owner. We'd have to go to like Uzbekistan or something. I don't really? Know, somewhere in Central Asia, because oh, wow. that's where, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, around where Babur came from. That's brilliant. Or well, Persia. I might be completely wrong. Well, then maybe we should just let the queen keep it <laughs> i'm not quite sure on that yeah but yeah i do think that um if the buckingham palace estate is something that mm. voters want to let the queen keep then like whatever sure just stay out of the government so do you think we should have another referendum on this or a referendum on the abolition i'm actually of a big fan of the referendum i think that the uk referendum was obviously flawed but i think it was mm. a great action of democracy direct okay. democracy is good yeah and i agree with that but if we're going purely from the from the sort of democratic perspective i mean she's got 72 percent approval rating so sure keep so then if if the, if the argument is okay well whatever the people want the people want the monarchy then vote it for it right if they want the monarchy let them vote for it a great way to survey them is a referendum on who they want as the president every five mm-hmm. years if you want to do that i would be totally fine with that but, but we don't know have that a monarchy. we know that she'll win we know that the the, the, the monarchy but as an institution will be capped if there was a, if there's a referendum how do you know that they want her above everyone else if no one can compete they we, we didn't we wouldn't have an, a a, democ- a democratic election for who should be the queen, it would or who should be the the monarch. Yeah, it, but it would theoretically. be theoretically. It would be so if you're if you're saying that you want to abolish the monarchy, but you you want it to be whatever the people want. Right. Um, and I you know kind of agree with that. I mean, if if the majority of people in this country said actually we don't want a monarchy, I would say fair play. That's what how, that's how democracy Wait, works. Wait. So if right? you had a referendum for abolishing the monarchy, mm-hmm. and the people said we want to abolish the monarchy, yeah. you'd be in support of that. Yeah, because it was whatever the people want. But okay. I think. But that's not the case, and I, I'm I'm here to say there are so m- I understand why her approval rating is so high and why the monarchy why the monarchy is so loved by the people. It, it's it's because it's because of all the reasons I said right. She she brings think, so much ceremonial and traditional right, right, right. Uh, representation to to this country. I think that um, if what we were talking about, which is how most other parliamentary democracies function, which is mm-hmm. the head of state being decided by the party, 
if that system was working, wouldn't that be a sort of middle ground between what we both want? Because if you think that a referendum to abolish a monarchy is something you would stand by democratically, mm -hmm. and I think that the head of state should not be based on hereditary like monarchy, then a really simple middle point there is to just let the parties decide and then look at how badly the voters respond. So, for example, if Labour gets elected and then decide oh, we hate the monarchy and then like move, remove the queen from the head of state, the voters might say 72% approval rating. We absolutely hate this. So you keep changing it every four years based on who, who rules? <laughs> it would be unlikely to change based on Reem's arguments, right? Yeah, I think it's the, the, the point there is that the, we, we wouldn't need a referendum because we know we know the people. I mean, I'm saying obviously if you want to hold a referendum tomorrow, and if you, if you did hold a referendum tomorrow about the uh, regarding the abolition of the monarchy, people would vote ridiculously in favour, and I think people would turn out crazily. I mean, but you need a campaigning season for yes. people to have a viewpoint on that you'd have but with a referendum it's sort of not something you have every four years every five years it's it's you have it once and then people right. decide and that's right, kind right, of right. the policy for for so a like, while yeah so the, the suggestion i was suggesting was like a bit more for what democracies do right now the one you're suggesting is a theoretical one right mm -hmm. but the problem with i think the idea of theoretically using a referendum to decide whether people like the queen is that we're asking them what do you are you fine with the status quo right they can't decide the status quo without an alternative, right? If I asked yeah. you right now, do you like Boris Johnson? If your other option is Boris Johnson and Boris Johnson and Boris, it, it would be hard to decide, right? Yeah. In the same way, I think that you can't ask people whether they approve of the queen unless you ask them what the alternative is. So in a referendum, you would have to spend at least maybe like, I don't know, four months or five months at least campaigning mm. about who the alternative is likely to be. And that I agree with you would be like oh, absurd. Okay. I understand what you're saying. So yeah. you're saying that they, they... The polls are unrepresentative sort of is what I'm saying. an alternative. I guess that's kind of um, the Brexit argument isn't it we had a referendum do you want should the united kingdoms remain a member of the of the eu and we're like yeah we want to leave but then there was how did we leave how do we leave and we don't know what kind of deal we want and no, we don't know I what trade say, deal we want no, i we support know. that referendum yeah i think it was a i think that's I, so a, I, I i definitely i'm i love brexit so i definitely oh, support okay. the referendum i don't know about brexit but i like the democratic, democratic legitimacy of democracy. it yeah mm -hmm. i would agree with that i just think i mean it was a completely legitimate choice in that people knew whether they wanted to stay in the eu or not the details were supposed mm -hmm. to be from the politicians and yes it was too complicated but that's not like to destroy the legitimacy of that election. In the same way, what I'm saying is not whether um, I could continuously basically say that every poll is irrelevant because alternative, alternative. Mm. I'm just saying that an approval of someone who you have never seen out of office is not representative of your approval of that person. Mm. Because if you ask me, um, do you approve of Reem as your guest for i don't know monarchy podcast like how am i supposed to respond to that yeah because you know the alternative is yeah it's just it's just yeah. ream or not ream and i'll be yeah. like okay ream was great that's awesome <laughs> like sure right keep around yeah. no i understand what you're saying there's no the, we don't know what the alternative would be and so we we don't have like, we the can have a, effectively relevant yeah, it's just like do you hate the queen for no reason yeah yeah yeah. no i get what you mean i think it's it, like if we were to hold a referendum and it was the question would be something like yeah um should the united kingdom keep the the institution of the monarchy right and that would be the queen and and, might and whoever no, follows afterwards yes. exactly yeah. yeah so um and the, the other option would then be abolish the monarchy but obviously something we there we don't know what yeah. what that would be like would would that be as you said an appointed president would that be actually we don't need a, a head of state we've already got the prime minister and we've got uh, the sure. executive in the parliament so we don't need it so it's it's sort of if we were to hold a referendum tomorrow we know that the people would overwhelmingly vote in favor of keeping the monarchy. The people but love her. But I think that it's not just a question of keeping the monarchy or not. Mm. It's also who is the head of the monarchy. Mm. I think people would 100% vote for keeping the queen. 
But when it comes to Charles, for yes. example, <laughs> that may be a bit great. <laughs> controversial. Yeah. yeah. God forbid we have to consider Andrew. Oh, Lord. Oh, please, no. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think it's the, the point there is that it, it would be the institution of the monarchy because obviously we yeah. can say the queen is is way you know way more favorable with the people than any other royal she is you know the the most the most popular yeah. royal and, and we are really just building castles in the cloud here because the referendum yeah. on the monarchy is like completely absurd at this point yeah but i think it's because you know your point was that whatever the people want and yeah, i'm yeah, saying yeah. the people no, want sure. her. <laughs> no, i agree so. with you um i just think that we don't know whether that's a factual truth mm. right now that's all. I don't think that it's impossible that the people want her. I just think it's impossible to claim whether we know that. Yeah. Because, like, you can't know that, is what I'm saying. Mm. But we touched upon uh, Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, potentially, you know, be- being being the no. king. I mean, it's it's something that we have to consider. You know, maybe yeah. Prince George is going to be something like Prince Andrew. Maybe not. Uh, but it's a risk that we have to bear. Yeah. We are not responsible for sort of uh, choosing who's going to be the head of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. And it as well may turn out to be someone who is extremely controversial, has ties with controversial figures like Jeffrey Epstein, has sex with 15-year-old girls. We don't know that. So it's something that I think we really have to think about, you know, because the monarch cannot be prosecuted. Um, so whatever they do, they will face no consequences. Well, we definitely need one who sweats, just to confirm <laughs> next time something happens. Uh, but yeah, I think that you touched upon exactly what we started with, which is the idea that since the head of state is not accountable, and since it's not accountable who the head of state is, um, they're not representative. So I would agree wholeheartedly with you that the selection process of being hereditary is completely illegitimate. So I'm assuming Reem doesn't. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. And I think it's the, um, obviously you've got, we've got a hereditary monarchy and, and that's how that works. That's how the system works. And obviously it is something that you, you bring up a great point. We've got to consider the fact that we won't have lots of Queen Lizards going forward. And um, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I love Princess Diana. I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say that Prince Charles is somebody that I would love to see be my head of state. And that's definitely something we have to consider the, the future of future monarchs. But the point there is that it's, the the monarchy isn't there to make decisions to negotiate policy to they they aren't accountable for a reason because they don't need to be there's no they're not making any any decisions that really impact us they're there as a ceremonial head of state they don't do they don't do anything that's an, of actual impact in terms of political policy and that's why we don't have an elected head of state actually sharia touched upon this but this february mm. the queen or or the firm as they call it lobbied for changing a law to hide her wealth, right? And the queen herself was involved in Pandora Papers, which is a a recent scandal. And what it is is leaked documents of financial services firms that exposed several world leaders. She was amongst them. I think Putin was amongst them, uh, Czech Prime Minister Andrei Babish, who were hiding their assets and paid no tax through these offshore tax havens. And the files revealed that the queen's crown estate paid 67 million pounds to the family of Ilham Aliyev, the president of Azerbaijan, in order to acquire a part of their London property portfolio. And we all know that Azerbaijan is a very uh, sort of non-democratic, corrupt country. So, you know, do you think that, you know, if, you know, going forward, the queen does have uh, certain powers that that relate to lawmaking? I wouldn't say that's necessarily lawmaking if it's her own financial... um 
but she know, was affecting laws. Yeah, and I think it's the, the fact that we know about it now. She's not. I mean, she's not completely unaccountable. She's Wait, a how public do we know about figure. It? We know about it because of the the, the review, isn't it? The, no, it was because of the Guardian. They exposed yeah, the papers. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But that's why we have free media. But it was leaked by a whistleblower. That means the institutions did not officially reveal this information. We can't keep snooping into the government just to hope we get information, right? No, I understand what you're saying. I think it's the it's it's a really good point that we with sort of bureaucratic institutions in general there is so much that we don't know and that's why i'm sort of more in favor of small government but, but that's at least a on paper we can different you know? point so yeah yeah if you submit an rti request to see what bojo has been doing mm-hmm. right you should get a response if you yes. do it for the queen they'll just be like nah it's okay she's the dogs or something right mm. so we can't keep snooping into buckingham palace and being like did you pay the corrupt people again <laughs> right so i think where's that- your money going <laughs> But I think I like I would just like to point out that what the Queen did here was not illegal at all. I mean, it was completely yeah, legal. Yeah. So in terms of this specific, it's issue, legal. It's immoral. One yeah. might say. I mean, yeah, sure. Like it is immoral, um, and it's not illegal, and that means that as of now, the prosecution of the Queen is not something we have to consider. But what if it was? What would we do? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because uh, maybe the Queen doesn't they, know. I mean, she doesn't make these decisions. It's the firm. It's the institution yeah. who runs the monarchy. It's the corgis. That, yeah, <laughs> it's that, the corgis. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's an interesting point, and obviously we don't we don't know. That's I guess that's your point. We don't know if the Queen was involved in in the, in these um, financial uh, deals, and we don't know if if how much influence that she did have personally. Um, on your point about sort of the immorality of 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 the monarchy, and whether, for example, if you had somebody who was a convicted sex offender who then became the monarch, we have things you know in place we've the king or queen can abdicate that that is a that is an option and um happened just as you know recently with the with the uh, queen's uncle so you so know, our accountability mechanism is hoping that they get a moral no conscience. but but my point is if, if if they're if they're unpopular if they are not wanted by the people and there are people that that will discuss this and you know with the um um, hopefully not too soon, but with the Queen's death sort of being um, something that might be uh, occurring in the near future, that is something that people are discussing. Who will be the next monarch and how popular will they be and how can we reform the monarchy as an institution moving forward? Those are things that are being discussed and those are things that are being um, taken into account. And but Why do we reform mm-hmm. them? If the Queen is extremely popular and mm-hmm. we want a good representative, then why should we pick from the pool of weird royals? Like, okay, of course, there's a huge amount of respect for them yeah. from the UK public. But like we mentioned, there's not necessarily wholesale support, for example, for Charles, right? Mm. Harry just dipped, <laughs> so he yeah. doesn't really count anymore. <laughs> and Andrew is probably someone who did something illegal. Mm. Um, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, yeah so I think probably. that... <laughs> If it was true, what you're saying, which is that the monarchy's successor was hard to determine, Mm -hmm. then it just seems illogical that we make sure that we pick from within this pool of people. It just seems odd. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think it's um, it maybe does seem odd to 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 someone who maybe doesn't feel these sort of affinity towards the monarchy and sort of the the tradition and the the history. But that is that is what it is. It's it's the. Um, is the institution of the monarchy, it's the tradition. And if you wouldn't get that with an elected, sorry, with an appointed, as you said, uh, president or head of state, you wouldn't get that sort of tradition. It wouldn't be traditional. And also, I'm assuming the role would be slightly different with, I mean, the, the monarchy right now doesn't have 
that much actual real life impact in terms of like policy and in terms of that they're apolitical they don't have any 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 political leanings that, that we know of obviously they probably do have personal leanings uh, but we don't know publicly about them and, and that's the whole neutrality of, of the monarchy maybe I mean, we could vote who's going to be the next head of state within monarchy right i mean do you want <laughs> prince william to be the next head of state do you want prince harry or whoever else is there Meghan prince Markle. edward <laughs> <laughs> Meghan Markle. Um, Meghan Markle. That's something we can talk about. Um, I would vote for the corgis. You'd vote for the corgis. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Too many. They all shift around. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it's, it's a committee. One goes to Saudi Arabia. It's, it's a corgi cabinet. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a general corgi assembly. Exactly. It's queens. Is it QCs become queens corgis? Oh. Yeah. Queens councils all become corgis. Queen, yeah. That would go. help the judiciary. There you go. That's it. We don't need to talk anymore. That, that's done. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's solved. It's solved. So yeah. So, so how do you think that uh, the monarchy should adapt to modern times? And should they even? You know, part of the reason they're so appealing is the tradition and the way they conduct themselves, the mystery that surrounds them. You know, and the series on Netflix Crown just shows how much their lives are different I from the that. average Brit. Mm. Yeah, me too. I, I watched all, all of the seasons. I did. I, I watched it with my dad and it was, it was our thing and it was just it's brilliant. Really I loved it's well it. Done. They are, yeah. They're really good actors. Um, I would say with in terms of keeping tradition, the monarchy has changed so much over the past, even just looking up the past 200 years, we... Um, sort of now allow divorce uh, divorcees to be to marry into the royal family which previously i mean obviously the, the queen's uncle had to abdicate because he was in love with a um a divorcee that wasn't accepted um you've got you know divorces are, are much more commonplace in the in, in the royal family and the, 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 there are different things that are, that are reforming and the, the, the monarchy is ever you know ever evolving and it is it is always evolving and um in terms of keeping tradition i think the tradition is having the monarchy as as sort of the ceremonial head of state and um they will always be evolving and they you know they've got their own pr people haven't they they'll always try and keep with the times and i think that they've been quite successful at that um especially with the new generation of royals with like sort of um prince william and kate and harry and Meghan. the new generation of of the royal family have well harry and Meghan are out yeah i mean harry and Meghan are <laughs> just, gone. just to but make it clear <laughs> before before they did decide to leave to the u.s they um I think they were excellent at sort of taking on that role um, being within the monarchy. Yeah, I would say before before but the Meghan controversy. Was more unpopular. In fact, she was more unpopular than popular, right? Yeah, but but they, they, that's my point. The the new the new sort of generation of royals are completely different, and people love the gossip, don't they? People. Lo- one of the reasons why we love the monarchy is because of the gossip of who's who's divorcing who and who's marrying who, and oh, I wonder who Prince William will marry, and it, it, it's it's all, it's all that um, sort of gossip that you see in the tabloids that. Um, make them celebrities and I think it's that that point that you know the royal family are reforming and they are improving and so not improving they are modernizing that's the word um, ever ever constantly and that doesn't that doesn't take away from the tradition of the royal family as an institution I would actually take um, the position of the royal family here where I would say that they're human beings and mm. what they do is their business so if they want to become modern they can do that if yeah. they don't they can stay whatever they want so for example the royal family walked around in like I don't know in 18th century clothing like who cares that's their choice like whatever yeah so I think that sort of them I adapting... think we all care <laughs> why without all this tradition mm-hmm. they wouldn't be so appealing to us but I think that whether or not they're appealing to us by the logic that Reem herself gives doesn't matter. So because they're not elected, whatever role they have 
and whatever effect they have on the public is irrelevant to their actual legitimacy, right? I think, I, I disagree. I think uh, it's in the interest of the monarchy to be popular with the public. Sure. If they're not popular with the public, people will want to abolish them. And so will the government. Okay. Right. And by that logic, sure. But the question is, should they, not will they? And whether they do adapt to modern times in order to appease the public is, in my opinion, like a moot question because they'll probably do whatever they need to to stay in power. Exactly. But Which is that, being liked by people. Being popular. Being and popular. Ad adhering to whatever being in the, the media. people like. Yeah. yeah. That's actually interesting because the point you bring up seems to question what Reem mentioned earlier, which is the approval rating. Mm. Because if they're keeping track on how much people like them, they're probably worried that there might be things that make people dislike them. So what I'm if they certain they are worried about the future, especially after the Queen. The Queen is extremely popular. But as you said, Charles isn't as popular and i think he's um i don't know the ex exact number but he's definitely low down on the list of popular monarch uh, popular royals so um i mean do you need to be popular or do you just need to be controversial because if you look Both. at the kardashians in the states we, which is in a way like a royal family for the united states not everyone <laughs> loves them but everyone wants to hear about them I think that if the royal family wants to be on the sun every day in tabloids, like, sure, you can be controversial, but then keep them out of government. <laughs> I don't want the Kardashians running the government, right? <laughs> I mean, they're not running it, sure, but I don't want them even the ceremonial heads of state. So mm. when you talk about controversy and when you talk about publicity, they actually have to make sure to avoid as much of it as possible to maintain the legitimacy that people like, you know, who support them, people like Reem believe in. So Reem believes, for example, the neutrality of the monarchy is extremely important, right? So if they became controversial to get public, public attention, mm. Reem might be like, please stop, that yes. is stupid, right? No, and I, I completely agree, and I think you understand that well, that the, the US is a completely different world to the UK, and the way that our politics works, the way that our institutions work, the way that our culture and media are, is it, it, it's completely different. Um, I mean, none of our royals, thankfully, have a leaked sex tape like <laughs> Kim Kardashian does, so I think it's it, it's a completely yet. different world. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> well, I will hope not. Um, but yeah, it's completely different, and I think the we don't need controversy. It's not necessarily controversy, it's people people have public interest in the in Their the ongoing life. personal life exactly the personal life of, of the monarchy and it's not necessarily yeah. controversial in the sa so, same way that the kardashians are in the I think US. I think on that is exactly what I want to say which is what they do should not be a concern of the people and the fact that it is is not one that I'm denying so I agree with you that there's gossip mm -hmm. and that there's concern about them. But I want to question whether that is a good thing, because that means that when Harry and Meghan, for example, talk about things in their Oprah interview, one of the main concerns they have is the stress of constantly being in a public light, right? And I think that this sort of over-focus on like a hereditary monarchy is something that is, first of all, just bad for them, right? Like if you're part of the royalty, you effectively have like so little autonomy but second of all, it's also bad for people because why exactly are you so interested in looking into the lives of people who don't actually have, like, and I'm sorry to say this, like, they don't have any explicit meaning, right? The, the only meaning comes from the fact of the lottery of birth, right? They didn't do anything to deserve their position. Well, you're interested in them because they're so different. They're mysterious. Mm. You, but, but they are like lives. <laughs> the, the it's like the Kardashians. Interest, right? Why are you interested in the Kardashians? I'm not. <laughs> because they're so rich. Mm. And it's because they're inaccessible. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, um, if, you, if you've ever watched The Crown, the sort of scenes that they, um, that they show about the, tr the struggle the monarchy had with trying to reform. And they did a... Um, 
what was it, a, a documentary. Um, I think it was uh, Prince Philip um, headed up the sort of documentary about the royal family. And um, it was com- completely shambolic because it sort of just showed them um, watching TV and trying to be normal. <laughs> but that's not what people want. People, they want the royal family to be normal. They want them to be... Um, you know, completely inaccessible and waving and and um, sort of an ideal sort of family. And, and that's what they are. And Don't you think that would be stressful for them, right? Are you saying you feel sorry for them that they're in <laughs> that position? That it's, it's, it's a matter of fact that they have less mm. autonomy than us, right? Whether Definitely. it's a good or bad thing is up to them. But they also have around. autonomy that they can leave. And I think Harry and Meghan are examples of that. They yeah. have the option to leave. They, they, they felt they suffocated can... and they left. Mm-hmm. I mean, calling that autonomy is a bit of a stretch because if your autonomy is to leave the place of having no autonomy, then it's still true that you had lesser autonomy. So for example, yes, Harry and Meghan could leave, but they literally lost all relations to their family. And now everyone in their family can't talk to them because Mm -hmm. if they did, there would be issues within the family. They also lost most of their personal connections in terms of what they used to do every day in the place that they lived, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many of these things. It's not a matter of autonomy. It's just a choice. They didn't want to live the real life. They wanted to live an American life. They wanted to make their own money. They wanted to be financially independent. Oh, wow. The royals wanted to be financially independent. Um, <laughs> they wanted to. They want. They didn't want to um, be be uh, within the role of the of the royal family. They didn't want to be senior royals and take on royal duties and and whatnot. They 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 wanted to leave and they had that choice. And I guess that's kind of the case with everybody. You you you're born into a family. In you 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 know we've got a lottery, as you say, the sort of birth lottery wherever you're born, and you have that choice. You can you can leave. You can stay. You can go to the US and 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 live in where whatever house that you want to, or you can stay in the UK. And you're given you're given those options when you're born, and that's kind of how life works. Um, yeah, so in terms maybe. of the autonomy that they right. have, no, I was going to say the, the autonomy yeah. that they have is they can they can leave and they can abdicate. The queen's uncle abdicated and left and decided to marry the, the person that he was in love with. And um, that's just kind of how things work. You can stay and you can leave. They're, not, have, they're not completely sure. restricted in prison. They, they have an opt-out, yes. Mm. But what about I think, I think um, well, <laughs> the queen doesn't have an opt-out. Uh, I think she'll permanently opt-out at some point. Well, if she, if she wanted to step down, I'm sure she could. Yeah, she could. She could. But why would she? Yeah. Um, that's fair. She has. It's her choice. That's the point. It's, it's, sure. it's her choice. And okay, it's her I'm life. thoroughly convinced that I have no empathy for the royal family. <laughs> then the question is whether they, they should adapt. I think if they're going to have such influence on the public in a government position, mm-hmm. I don't care what they do if they were a private actor. Like if they're just like some family that people watch, like the Kardashians, and I would like absolutely not care what they did. Um, but like you know, you both have pointed out pretty strongly, like they do have an influence, and so they should adapt. I think I'd agree with you on that. I just don't know how far they should adapt because how strongly they get involved in adapting might mean that it correlates with how strongly they get involved in politics and that I'm strongly against. I don't want them to be involved in politics because they have no legitimacy there. So mm-hmm. for example, I like, agree. That, yeah, exactly. So like them talking on like, I don't know, um, social issues. Like, I, I hate it. And you know what annoys me is more recently when they were talking about um climate change and I think it's 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 great it's great that you know climate change is sort of a people trying to make it an impartial issue it isn't and I don't I, I understand the charity work and the sort of saying we should help save the environment when if when they have to be very careful that they are they are being impartial and I think it's difficult and it, Wait, I how do you think that like what exactly kind of harms do you think that they would have when they talk about climate change no, no nothing in terms of what they've done recently in terms of just saying we you know we need to help save the sure. world and whatever but I think it was a story out today about the queen um saying something about world leaders not taking um, action taking action with climate change and i, I was okay, like okay. i read that, that and i was like 
what are you doing? Stop! You should not be taking an opinion on world leaders and sure, all. sure. Could I could I just know mm-hmm. um, what exactly makes you think like climate change isn't impartial? Like which parts of it you think are important? Well, because obviously when you're talking about climate change, you're talking. There are so many different cases or um, ways that you can solve climate change um, and I, I was recently talking to somebody from the conservative environment network and they you know, the sort of conservative case for environmental uh, environmentalism you've got more government intervention type policies that you can enact and I think that any with any issue that we have in in the world there it isn't ever impartial sure so you'd be fine with her raising attention for yes. specific issues yeah, you yeah, just yeah. don't and want her what... supporting specific policies exactly right? exactly so for example leaders committing to say I don't know COP conferences mm-hmm. or like the Paris Agreement you think that's partial right yeah, yeah exactly okay, fine and I don't, I don't think that the Queen should be saying yeah. um we should stay in the Paris Agreement like no we then shouldn't I, we, I think we I think we're in complete that. agreement there yeah. then I would agree with you I because don't think po- yeah. and I agree with you they are politically illegitimate yeah. they shouldn't be commenting on political issues yeah like okay you you were born into a fancy house mm-hmm. okay that's it like <laughs> you, you don't you didn't and that's how yeah. most videos work i think on the sort of personal life topic that we were just talking about the um and sort of you don't care what the what the what the kardashians are doing and what what outfit she was wearing at, the, at whatever event um i think it's sort of very similar with anybody in public life i mean if you look at the controversy around matt hancock and his affair you know you've got people care about our public officials and he's an elected public official so it's it's kind of always going to be the case that the people care about the people that are in public life and whether they are an elected official whether they are a royal or whether they are just some random billionaire we all we all care about and i think, <laughs> about I think the lives. distinction we both agree on is just that it's a royal family makes an opinion that's mm-hmm. fine but because they're currently distinctly associated with the government mm-hmm. they shouldn't they shouldn't right. yeah they shouldn't they shouldn't be if it was an elected head of state do you think it would be fine if it was an elected oh, do i don't want an elected head of state here, like, like, no like let's say india has an elected head of state mm-hmm. right so our well i mean our head of state is just a prime minister our ceremonial head of state is the president right yeah so the president makes a statement on like i don't know an issue and makes a slightly partisan concern like for example you know join the paris agreement would you yeah. agree with that well it depends on the um sort of system political system that you've got so obviously um if you're elected you're probably going to have to make some opinions with your within your campaign so that people can know to vote mm, for appointed, you sorry. Oh, the appointed sorry president is appointed oh is, is where, where is that sorry that the president so is appointed in most parliamentary democracies other mm-hmm. than like you know the constitutional US. ones yeah uh, the york it's not a parliamentary <laughs> democracy it's just like the u.s mm-hmm. but yeah um it's a congressional democracy, right? Anyway, um, I don't know. I might be wrong. No, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, sure. So, like in India and Singapore, and like I don't know, Indonesia, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the, no, Indonesia also has a president. My bad. Anyway, the point is, there is a head of state that is appointed by the uh, the ceremonial head of state is appointed by the head of state. Mm-hmm. And the ceremonial head of state probably doesn't say too many partial things. If they did say a partial thing, do you think you would have the same issue with them? That's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm not quite um, well versed on these sort so, of. So, like an example I give there. you is like a party wins an election in India mm-hmm. and they appoint a president. And the president is supposed to be a ceremonial head of state that does basically what the queen does, right? Like signs off on so, things. So, so they're appointed and then they, they leave and then you get a new ceremonial head of state. Is that The next that time works? a party comes in power, yeah. Really? That's quite interesting. Isn't, isn't the president supposed to be supporting the prime minister? N- not exactly. I mean, yes, of course. Yeah. But it's not like the president has legislative power. Yeah, exactly. And the president doesn't necessarily go negotiate on behalf of the prime minister. The president does things like the queen, for example, holding parties and so on. So like... For example, we have like a quote about Kiran Narayanan, who is one of our presidents, which is he was a president that worked within the bounds of the constitution, but went to like all four corners of it. So these presidents tend to stay extremely impartial, or at least the good ones do. Um, <laughs> and they effectively just improve relationships without partisan viewpoints. But 
like you said sometimes you might slip up and say partisan things mm-hmm. but if they did that it would probably not be as big of an issue because mm-hmm. they still represent the populace well i think the the difference there is that it's it's not a monarchy they yeah. they are they're a head of state because they are appointed and they change and that's the difference and i think Agreed. that's why in this country um any kind of political viewpoint that the the royal family espouse or are sort of poten- potentially are espousing that there's a big issue because they are meant to be completely neutral whereas where you said where a president is appointed and they are changing with the party um they, there's a little bit more accountability there and so i'm very happy different. you admitted that and i agree with you completely and that's why i want to bring about the point that we heard earlier right which is that they care about popularity it's in mm-hmm. their interest to appeal to the public And the second point that you just said, which is any partisan viewpoint from the monarchy is legitimate, but from an elected head of state isn't. Yeah, of course. By that logic, don't you think that it's inevitable that they're going to make slightly partisan statements that affect things at least slightly? For example, that make that affect yeah. things. You're yeah. saying. Yeah. So, for example, leaders should sign agreements. Mm-hmm. It is a slightly partisan statement to your viewpoint, right? So, it's very likely that to continue maintaining popularity, they'll have to make slightly partisan statements. Right, but it's also likely that the slightly partisan statements, in your logic, are bad. I wouldn't say that they have to make. They don't have to make partisan statements to be popular. They don't. They, I think that makes them unpopular because they are meant to be neutral. the 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 entire point of the monarchy is that it's an it's a neutral head of state. They are apolitical, and so it's it's not the same as an appointed president where they're a head of state. They're ceremonial, but. Uh, if they slip up then it's okay because they'll they'll be gone in, in the next few years when the next party is elected i think this is a great segue into the harry and megan thing isn't mm-hmm. it yeah because, because they because they they were forced outspoken. to exactly right? they were forced to become partisan in that sense or not necessarily partisan but at least have a, have a viewpoint that's that's um sort of discerning like, from the from sort the of like defend themselves almost yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's why they had they they left but i think um every royal has has made some sort of um viewpoint that is um not with the the general royal family not necessarily what the queen would want them to say um but i don't think that's sort of the point of the royal family is that they're normally neutral wouldn't that then add to the credence of mm-hmm. the idea of not having a monarchy In because if it's true that the royal family is currently distinctly associated with political office and thus should not be giving partisan statements which is what you said mm-hmm. right if that premise is true and the second premise which is that because of popularity maybe like you said they mm-hmm. don't say partisan statements and things that are controversial but in other words sometimes it might be an overwhelming support for something that is partisan i don't think Wouldn't... it's partisan because they don't they they don't really say anything that is partisan that's not how they become popular they become popular by um giving grand inspirational speeches that is not that is not partial that is not political at all the my issue with with um with some of the things that they've said recently is um sort of where they've slightly or um slightly criticized a a world leader for um not taking up action on climate change that's that's where i have an issue that doesn't make them um, any less worth being a monarchy there are other instances of that well there um i know that in the crown they spoke about the um where the 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 queen sort of had had a viewpoint or had an opinion but it was kept very hush hush and it was just the papers i thing. think the reason william spoke out on climate change is a reaction of megan and harry mm-hmm. speaking out about issues I think there is a popularity contest between those and uh and I think it sounds to be honest it sounds hypocritical. Mm-hmm. You know, he's speaking about the inaction of leaders on climate change uh, sitting in his golden seat doing nothing <laughs> yeah. about it, you know, on his 100 million dollars in in property trust. So, yeah, I think I think it was a misstep from his side. Yeah, I think it was a misstep, but it's not 
so damaging to the royal family that they have to be abolished now because they've just said one thing that well, could be taken it's as political. Well, it's interesting because times are changing, right? Like Meghan and Harry are extremely vocal about mm-hmm. their opinions. They're unfortunately. <laughs> Well, they're joining different companies. I think Harry is the chief impact officer at, at a few startups. They're working with the United Nations. They're doing all these speeches. And I think William and Kate are feeling the pressure to adapt and, and also start being vocal about some of these issues, uh, which we will see how it, how it turns out. But yeah, do you think that, uh, you know, if you look at Harry and Meghan, they are sort of capitalizing on the monarchist brand, right? They're making money off of their royal associations despite the fact that they left um do you think that in the future the royal family should also start commercializing on their brand so that the taxpayers don't have to be supporting their lifestyle do you think that's something they should consider there's no way they're not already doing that like there's absolutely no way that the members of the royal family are not using their privilege in not privilege well they're not they're not selling socks with their faces on it they're they're not profiting from doing that Huh? Harry and Meghan are doing that? Yeah, I think so. That is so freaking weird. Yeah, they they have their brand Sussex Royal and they uh, have a lot of merch around that. Okay, but I, I don't see how that's distinct from, say, someone who is in a royal family using that brand, for example, to start trust funds. Or like, well, sorry, what was it? Uh, well, they're not using their brand to start trust funds. Not, not trust funds. Sorry, I got the word wrong. Like, for example, if I got a position in, like, I don't know, some old prestigious company, right? Because I was part of the royal family. Would you consider that commercializing the brand? Or would you just say sort of leveraging connections? Do you think there's a distinction between those two? If you got a position in a company yeah. after you exited the royal family? No, through royal family connections. Um, yeah. Okay. You'd consider that commercializing, right? Yeah. Okay. Isn't, that, isn't that just general nepotism? But the difference is that it's nepotism based on the royal family, which is connected to the government. You get it? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I understand. But I also think... At the end of the day, it's their choice. And if anybody was in their position, they would be doing this. You'd be doing no, no, the no. same yeah, thing. I'm just that's saying. why they're not allowed. Yeah, but that's but that's why they've that's why they've left the royal family. They've Are left they the not royal allowed? F- I mean, we just saw earlier that the Duchy of was it Sussex? No. Who Meghan? No, 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 no. We mentioned earlier. Uh, was it the Duchy of Lancaster, which is a collection of residential commercial properties, makes a bunch of money, for example, right? Yeah. So. Obviously, the value of those assets, as well as the money they make, probably is influenced by the brand of the royal family, right? Um, I don't think so. Why not? It's simply property. But if someone knows that the property is owned by the royal family, wouldn't that raise the price at all? It's like fields. (laughs) I don't think so. It's residential and commercial. Um, I think it's agricultural. It's somewhere in Scotland. But no, I I think it has no relation. Uh, But when you talk about occupying positions in companies... Um, capitalizing on the real brand, yeah, that's definitely something that they do. Okay. And I think well, it's I slightly but... hypocritical of, of Harry and Meghan to uh, um, yeah. denounce their, their royal duties, but then say, hold on, we're going to sell, sell some stocks our faces on it, and we are we are still of royal blood. And I, I think it's hypocritical, but also they have the freedom to do that. And but it's yeah. also just like obnoxious because they gave <laughs> this argument about the royal family being blah, 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 not adapting mm-hmm. to modern times. And then they said, do we want to make something of ourselves and then use the royal family? Slap the royal right? family's yeah. Um, yeah. sort of branding on them. I, I agree with you. But yeah. also they have the freedom to do whatever they want. And if they if they've decided that that's the best way to best marketing strategy for their brand and for their businesses and for their careers then so be it and I really don't care (laughs) I I mean I just want to add in this issue of company positions and investments so if you get into a company assuming that you might have connections to the royal family right obviously because if you're part of the royal family obviously do I mean sure it might not 
be possible to have like, for example, extremely strong influences on the royal family by just having some member of your of theirs on your board. But it might have some influence. I think that when we talk about the royal family leveraging their brand, we also need to understand that every time someone leverages their brand, the brand can leverage back and that goes directly to the government. So I don't know if a member of the royal family is in financial trouble or maybe wants some kind of luxurious benefits that, you know, they might not necessarily get legal access to. Um, well, they also have connection to the government. So they might be able to say this is a private concern. So we should have this regulation gone from this specific estate that we own, for example. That's really interesting. And I think um, so there's another show other than The Crown called The Windsors, which is more of a, a comedy, um, sort of making poking fun of the royal family. And um, it talks about Fergie's um, daughters and them sort of not being on the sovereign grant. And it's, the, the joke is that they um, that they're all constantly trying to put on the fact that well we're royals so we can we can sell this random invention and make lots of money from it because we're royals and the joke is that nobody cares about them um so i think it's um yeah media is definitely definitely taking into account the fact that nobody, nobody seems to to be too bothered about what they their royalty and their Maybe. status but like the point that i'm saying is just that there's a line to government that mm -hmm. is effectively impossible to hold accountable which i'm a little concerned about so Anyone in the royal family who says, look at this dumb invention, something, something royalty, right? Owns that invention and might own maybe their own company or something, or mm -hmm. maybe a commercial estate that relates to that. And then it doesn't sell or something like, I don't know, illegal happens regarding it. I don't know, money laundering or something. Um, okay, how do we investigate it? It's a personal estate of the queen. And as we've seen before, the queen is not going to allow that personal estate to be in, like mm -hmm. investigated. So the sort of huge sort of concentration of funds is almost impossible to monitor because of a completely arbitrary reason mm -hmm. that seems again morally wrong the practical impact is probably not like you know world changing it's probably somewhat significant mm -hmm. but it's still like still, yeah, yeah yeah small very in, in in the grand scheme of things i actually agree and i think maybe that's a, a room where we can have to reform the monarchy maybe we should know a little bit more about their finances and about um where the queen's estates sure. um are, where that money is going and i think potentially that is a, that is room for for reform sure if you split the difference between us and you went for reform i would completely agree because i think that abolishing the monarchy is quite hard and 70 mm -hmm. percent approved in right practice now. yeah yeah but i mean reform i think will make more arguments for abolishing it become stronger because there will be pushback i think that's probably what's likely to happen if you push for reform the queen is likely to push back on it in one way or the other and that could easily cause controversy i think don't i don't necessarily think that's true i think um the queen has has, has been asked to reform well not necessarily the queen but the, the, the royal family as a whole have been asked to reform and to modernize so many times in the past if you guys have seen the crown you will know, also know about the um the, crown. the crown's amazing okay yeah, i'll it. check it out I'll <laughs> you check should it definitely out. watch it it's brilliant um i love season three anyway they, okay. it's, it's great and i think they they showed sort of the struggle that they had to reform and um there wasn't i mean the way that they characterized it doesn't seem that there was much pushback um in terms of where people have or journalists in particular have said um i love the royal family but you guys need to reform and you guys need to modernize and in order to keep to keep to, to keep the monarchy as an institution you need to reform right. and i think that's i don't think necessarily they'll be pushed back and then that's it oh we want to abolish the monarchy now because we reformed it i think it's we can reform mm. and modernize to adapt to the times and that's what Maybe. they do but I think that we've just seen evidence that there was pushback just <laughs> in the back. So I think that um, I can't say for sure there will be pushback. I also can't say for sure there'll be controversy. But I think that the more reform moves towards getting to the core assets of the queen, it is likely to become more contentious. So in that, I would say that at the point where we say 
we want to literally monitor like all your assets and see like the, everything you do like the same way you look at a citizen there's probably going to be a lot more pushback yeah i so, don't think we need to to see all of her finan- personal finances and where all her money goes and why in that sense because because we, we don't need money, to right? No, because it, 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 we, don't, we don't need to know everything about where she spends her money. We don't. I think that's sort of... Wait, so if she's sending 67 million to the Aliyah family in Azerbaijan... Well, that's what I mean. That's not everything. That's, that's a particular large sum of money that she's been sending. Or we don't know if it's her personally. It's, it's obviously the, the why, crime fund. But, but why logically should the Queen get these privileges? She's just a citizen. I think, I think if we wanted to have transparency, it shouldn't be just the Queen. No, but it should be everyone. So I'm, so I'm not saying that everything the Queen does should be monitored. I'm saying the Queen should have the same standards as a normal UK citizen, right? Like everything that the government Well, normal UK citizen is not hiding their wealth in offshore tax havens. The rich ones might be. And to investigate them, you can do things that you can't do with the Queen, right? But so, so you're saying you want, you want the government to sort of publish the Queen's personal finances? No, I'm saying that the laws that protect the Queen's assets from accountability should be effectively abolished completely at the very least that's the type of reform i think would make logical sense because mm-hmm. i don't know what laws you're talking about wait the queen's council laws we talked about right council laws like so the, not the queen's council laws as in the law of queen's council but the ones that queen's council specifically affected so oh yeah the one yeah the, the one, one about her, yeah, her yeah, estates yeah. Okay. her ownership and stuff the, the lobbying one she was lo- she was lobbying yeah. for a law but this that would hide the- her wealth okay. yeah so this was like throughout the past as well so okay. it wasn't just one that would happen yeah. right now it was an in, like an increase from the past so like those kind of laws i would want to remove and the fact is that we're in a podcast organized by our extremely well like informed host who also got this one fact wrong because we just have no clue what the hell the queen is doing <laughs> like we have no idea right it's a great closing point um yeah <laughs> we should just ask the corgis at this point <laughs> ask the corgis mm-hmm. yeah. they are they clearly know more yeah. than we do so yeah. <laughs> true but yeah, thank you guys so much for speaking with me. It was a great discussion. And I think uh, we agreed on a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? Surprisingly, um, there's a change. There's a space for reform. And I think uh, we will see what happens. Any any closing points? Just thank you for having us. <laughs> it was a great discussion. I, I love these kind of discussions where we are able to find middle ground. I think it's brilliant. And moving forward, we should definitely push for more discussions like this. For sure. I would definitely agree with that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this discussion. If you enjoyed it, make sure to follow the podcast to hear about new episodes. You can also find me on Instagram or Twitter under Think with Lucy. Let's highlight the gray area that is often overlooked. Let's show nuance. Let's think. 